This is MPN. Welcome to Movie Matchup. I'm Casey. And I'm Grace. A podcast where we talk in-depth about two movies with a common theme, and at the end, we'll talk about menu items you could enjoy while having your movie marathon. Grace, what is this week's theme? This week's theme is the family that cons together stays together. Yay! Yay. <laughs> and our first movie for that theme is 2001's uh, Heartbreakers, um, which I watched on Netflix. It's currently on Netflix. And the, the uh, storyline for that, I kind of, this is kind of a silly uh, summary, but I, I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> Get ready to lose your heart and your bank account. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to conning millionaires, Maxine Connors and her daughter Paige are real pros. First, Maxine leads them to the altar. Then Paige lures them into seduction and a hefty divorce settlement. <laughs> Sorry. After that, it's on to the next unfortunate victim repulsive billionaire William Tenzi. Unfortunately, Paige breaks the cardinal rule of the con and falls in love with a young bartender. Now, Maxine must hold on to her daughter and Tenzi's money before she loses the best partner in crime she'll ever have. <laughs> so, shout out to Robert Rosado on uh, IMDb for that summary. <laughs> That's a good summary. Uh, and our second movie is The Brothers Bloom from 2008. And it is currently on IMDb TV. And the Rotten Tomatoes plot is 25 years after swindling people are too much for Bloom and he wants out of the business. His brother Stephen convinces him to work on one final hustle targeting an eccentric East Coast heiress named Penelope. The con game fails to play out as planned when Bloom falls in love with the irresistible woman. We can already see the, the themes and the, the commonalities of these movies in the summary. Yes. <laughs> yes. Family cons that, uh, and someone just keeps falling in love. Yeah. Why you, you, you can't fall in love with a con. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, so we get started with Heartbreakers? Yes. Okay. So we open the movie and uh, Sigourney Weaver is uh, getting married to Ray Liotta and their actual name, their character names, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well, Sigourney's, I believe, right now is Angela. That's not her real name. Um, and Ray Liotta's is uh, Dean. Um, so, <laughs> so Angela, quote-unquote, and Dean are getting married. Um, <laughs> and uh, their wedding um, is, they seem very happy together. Uh, and Dean is very uh, anxious and, and uh, excited to get on to the honeymoon phase of yes. the wedding. Um, but uh, Angela keeps finding a, a reason to stay for the reception and basically closes out the uh, uh, bar where they're at. Yeah. Uh, and, but then they finally make it back to their room. And there's really actually a, a great little moment there where he's carrying her down uh the hallway to the hotel room i don't know if you remember this but it made me laugh just because it's just a completely silent scene and he's just jogging running the yeah to the room for like a good 10 seconds and it does not cut. he's very excited is the point. <laughs> <laughs> um 
they get there. We find out that she's uh, made him wait uh, until their wedding to have sex, obviously. Um, a lot in common, by the way, in this movie, also with Adam's family values and <laughs> yes, the entire con that Debbie plays yes. uh, on her victims in that movie. <laughs> um, she... Uh, <laughs> So they're getting ready to have sex. Uh, she reveals like this full body lace bodysuit, which I just had to mention because it was so ridiculous <laughs> that she's wearing under her wedding dress. Yeah, I don't know where you find this. Like, it seems very difficult. Does, yeah, does anyone actually make one of these? And it did not seem to. He ended up cutting it off of her. I'm not sure if there was actually a closure. In a way to, I don't know how she got into it. But uh, anyway, by the time he finally gets her, or almost gets her out of the lace bodysuit, she's passed out. And uh, because he's a, a, a fairly decent man, <laughs> yes, uh, he uh, decides to wait until she wakes wakes up again to you know have their honeymoon. Um, and so she does, uh, but then before she can make it up to him, uh, she gets sick because she had too much to drink the night before. <laughs> he has to <laughs> he has to go off to the office before they actually take off for their honeymoon. And uh, when he arrives there, he owns some sort of like, uh, not really above board body shop business, it seems like. Yes, chopping cars. Yeah. <laughs> At his office, we meet Jennifer Love Hewitt, um, who is going by Wendy, I believe. Mm -hmm. At this point, wearing an extremely short dress and not the first very <laughs> short dress that she'll be wearing in this movie. The outfits are just, imagine the shortest, tightest dresses you've ever seen in your life. And that's basically Jennifer Love Hewitt's entire wardrobe throughout the movie. Yes, her entire wardrobe is to seduce a man. Oh, yeah. producer Ryan <laughs> approves of the outfits. Just in... Um... <laughs> So Ray Liotta, more than a little uh, frustrated from the night before, is uh, seduced by Jennifer Love Hewitt, and they start making out. Just as uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt has sort of kneeled down um, and gotten her hair stuck on his <laughs> uh, <laughs> on his zipper, Sigourney walks in um, and is, uh, you know, in shock shock that her new husband has cheated on her. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, they, uh, we cut to them, uh, with a couple of lawyers, uh, surprise cameo by Carrie Fisher, yes. by the way, and, uh, Ray Liotta agrees to pay $300,000, um, so that, uh, there doesn't come to be more scrutiny on his business than is entirely necessary. Then Sigourney Weaver meets up with Jennifer Love Hewitt afterwards to find out their mother and daughter, their real names are... Uh, Max and Paige, Maxine and yeah. Paige, and um, Sigourney tells her uh, that they got 80000 I believe, rather than the 300000 Yeah. So she's already a little... Uh, <laughs> yeah. She's keeping some things from her daughter. Yes. Um, and we find out that uh, Paige wants to strike off on her own. She's, she's disappointed in the lack of, of good money because she wants to have a nice little nest egg before she goes off to uh, be sort of her own con woman. <laughs> but they go to um, the bank, and there there's another wrench in the plans. They are confronted by a woman with the IRS who tells them 
that not only do they owe all of the money in their bank account, but another $250,000 on top of that. So things aren't looking good. No. For the two of them. Um, Jennifer Love Hewitt wants to pull one big con on somebody super rich so that they can pay off the IRS and get her enough money so that she can go off on her own. Um, so they agree to go to Palm Beach uh, to find their sucker. Uh, and then uh, once they get there, uh, the, and this entire time, by the way, we're seeing them pull like little cons just to get away f with not paying for basically anything. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sigourney distracts a guy at the gas station, and so Jennifer Love Hewitt can pull his credit card out of the machine and use it to pay for her own gas. I always they, remember that one. I don't know why. Yeah. That like one <laughs> stuck with me that it's just, yeah, they just steal gas. Yeah. I, I <laughs> They put broken glass into their food at a restaurant that they're talking at so that they don't have to pay for <laughs> for the food, and they also get complimentary wine. Um, and then when they arrive in Palm Beach, uh, Sigourney trips her own daughter <laughs> so that she can uh, claim that she uh, slipped on something wet on the floor and they can be comped a room. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of surprising, actually, that they don't have a lot more money because it doesn't seem like they spend any on anything. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe because it, it takes so long for the investment, you know, like, because they have to do something for, like, four months. They have, like, no income, and they have to, yeah, like, that's true. they have to pay for costume. I, 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 I don't know. We're going to have to <laughs> check it out. We're going to try to con. Gonna, yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to become a female conning team in order to see how. <laughs> yeah, we're going to Mythbusters conning, essentially. Yeah. So when they arrive at Palm Beach, they're discussing who they are going to con. They've got a few, like, men uh, up uh, on the table. Uh, one of them is um, a sort of younger guy, like 45-ish, who's got, like, a, who's very close to his mother. But Jennifer Love Hewitt wants to go for him because uh, she would be the primary uh, in that con. Uh, basically the one who would marry him, but then Sigourney Weaver would have to come in at the end and seduce him for the money. Um but uh, Sigourney Weaver wants to go after Gene Hackman, who is playing like a billionaire uh, tobacco tycoon. And just at his absolute most disgusting. <laughs> uh, he's just uh, coughing and hacking up a storm throughout the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, he's got like liver spots. Left. I think he would have had yeah. a lot of fun playing this role. I think they all yeah. would have had a lot of fun. It seems like all the actors had yeah. a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in order to decide, they actually place a bet with each other to see uh, who can get the guy at the bar, who is actually Kevin Nealon, to buy uh, one of them a drink first <laughs> in order to settle the bet. Um which I thought was a clever scene because they both go over and start seducing and then Sigourney Weaver ends up just coughing like she <laughs> has yeah. something stuck in her throat and so he offers to get her a drink. Yeah. And she wins. Yes. <laughs> so they start their con on Gene Hackman. Sorry, what's his name in this? Tenzi. Yeah, William Tenzi. Tenzi, yeah, they call him Tenzi. Okay, so Sigourney Weaver goes to an auction to start the con on uh, Gene Hackman and meanwhile... Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt uh, decides that she's going to go after the guy that she wanted, uh, the guy with the, the mom issues, uh, anyway, because her mom can't tell her what to do, you know? <laughs> uh, so she manages to track him down at a bar on the beach. When she arrives, he's not there yet, so she just goes in and sits down, and then Jason Lee uh, comes over 
and asks her if uh, he can get her a drink, and she <laughs> uh, just gives him the snappiest, meanest response. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> because, you know, he doesn't know her at all, and why, uh, you know, he thinks he can just buy her a drink just because she's a hot girl in a bar, um, and then he explains that actually he is the bartender. <laughs> yeah. So then uh, her guy comes in, um, and she fails to get his attention, despite wearing, as we, you know, covered earlier, an extremely short and tight dress. Um, <laughs> and so she uh, decides that maybe if she pretends to choke on an olive, then uh, he will save her, and the, this will be, you know, the jumping off point for her pawn to sort of ingratiate herself into him. So she starts to choke, and then he does not notice at all, um, much to her disappointment. And then she chokes for real, <laughs> and then Jason Lee uh, saves her, which she is, again, very upset about. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, so she uh, gets a call from uh, Sigourney Weaver, who at this point is following Gene Hackman. And back at the auction, sorry, there's a lot going on with these cons. <laughs> So while Jennifer Love Hewitt's been doing, uh, you know, all this uh, over at the bar, um, uh, Sigourney Weaver's been uh, getting the start of her, her con with Jane Hackman at the auction house. And so she uh, uh, has decided to seduce him as uh, Olga, a uh, Russian <laughs> um, a woman who's visiting, I guess, America. <laughs> um mm-hmm. I guess with the with the intention of um, using uh, her need for a green card in order to uh, spur him on into marriage uh, eventually. But yes. um, <laughs> so we get to have Sigourney Weaver with a, a, a Russian accent for most of this. Yes, <laughs> which is great. Her fake word, like just you know, she has all these like made up words that she uses, and just, like, it's great. Um. So she is bidding on the same thing as Gene Hackman. She got his little program. She sort of sniped it from him. Uh, so she knows how much uh, he is uh, willing to pay for this, uh, like, nude statue that he's bidding on. But then he has, a, a like, a hacking, coughing fit in the middle of their, <laughs> their bid war. So she ends up accidentally buying it. And she has to use her feminine wiles in order to uh, <laughs> get the man who's moving the statue to accidentally... Uh, knock his uh, pecker off as she said. <laughs> so she yeah. won't have to actually pay. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, and then the plan is to get uh, Gene Hackman um, to uh, have him blow a tire and for her to show up to save the day. So Jennifer Love Hewitt's supposed to lay out like a nail bed in the middle of the road uh, for him to run over. And then she realizes at the last minute that it's not him and she tries to pull it back, but then it breaks. Just things going going poorly all the, all of the time. Yeah. <laughs> it is a con movie, but it is also a comedy. So they seem like very bad con women. <laughs> <laughs> Even though in theory, these should all work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, it's actually Jason Lee who gets uh, <laughs> his tires destroyed. Poor Jason Lee. Because she left her purse at the bar and he was attempting to follow her in order to give it to her which is also a little bit like 
Just give it to her when she comes back with a purse, I feel like. Who's, who's, who's chasing somebody down to give them their purse back? But anyway, I guess he's just a very nice guy. <laughs> yes, he is. A nice, like, trusting <laughs> guy. Yeah. Um, so he uh, drives off the road and hits a tree. Uh, and she's upset that he's followed her. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, he's just trying to be nice and give her her purse back. And then Gene Hackman shows up. Um, and so she worried about him getting in the way of, of, you know, this con going on. She pushes, pushes him off the, the road and like down a hill <laughs> and then follows after him. Um, so Gene Hackman then hits the nail bed and, and crashes his car. And then Sigourney Weaver, because she, she was supposed to pull the nail back, bed back, but it's, you know, she's not there and she can't. Uh, Sigourney Weaver also hits the nail bed. And so it's a three car pile. Of- They're just so funny. They just all hit each other. Yeah. And uh, Jason Lee's down at the bottom of the hill saying, we should go back up there. And so to stop him, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt starts making out with him. Yeah. <laughs> As you do. Um, and uh, despite the fact that all of her uh, wheels are flat as well, Sigourney Weaver manages to convince Gene Hackman that he has a head injury and that he should go with her to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just drives off on a car with flat tires. <laughs> Um, so then as soon as they, as soon as they drive away, by the way, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt immediately, uh, turns, <laughs> turns on Jason Lee and acts like he's a creep for making out with her. Yeah. She's sending some real mixed signals. Extremely mixed signals. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but she does look like Jennifer Love Hewitt, so you can't entirely blame him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for not being completely turned off by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day, Jennifer Love Hewitt goes back to Jason Lee's uh, bar because she still didn't get her purse from him. Um, and as she's there, she finds out from uh, Jason Lee's friend, Sarah Silverman. Yeah. <laughs> Who, by the way, yeah, Sarah Silverman and Zach Galifianakis are his friends in this movie. And with almost nothing to do, they are only there to deliver exposition. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they had more screen time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she finds out from Sarah Silverman that Jason Lee is actually uh, potentially rich. Some guys want to buy his bar for about $3 million. So um, with uh, the uh, mama's boy in the rearview mirror now, Je- Jennifer Love Hewitt sets her sights on Jason Lee. Um, at the same time, Sigourney goes on a date with Gene Hackman, and he takes her to a Russian restaurant where uh, hijinks ensue because of her not actually being Russian. <laughs> Uh, she, uh, despite being a vegetarian, accidentally orders uh, steak tartare. Um, <laughs> and she has to pay off a waiter who realizes that she's not actually Russian. And then she gets pulled up on stage to sing some sort of like Russian folk song that she clearly doesn't know, yeah. but gets out of it by the charm of singing back in the USSR. Yes. <laughs> Uh, at the same time, Jennifer Love Hewitt goes after uh, Jason Lee and follows him uh, into like a woodsy area wearing the shiniest, shortest like <laughs> dress I've ever seen yeah, <laughs> and like huge high heels. Uh, so she immediately falls like into a puddle or something and he comes across her and asks her what she's doing and she claims that she's an, an environmentalist um, <laughs> like doing a study on the wetlands. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which he's basically like, well, I don't believe you, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so he takes her over to the beach where he was, um, uh, he has like a telescope set up and they have a cute little like stargazing date. Um, and it's very sweet. Uh, and then they, uh, meet at home, Sigourney and Jennifer Love Hewitt and Sigourney Weaver is immediately suspicious because she claims to have been in all night, but she has mud on her, uh, leg. So she was clearly up to something. Hmm. Uh, let's see. And we've got um, another date with uh, Gene Hackman, as Sigourney does, um, who, by the way, is just really into tobacco. He's not just like where he made his money. He's really trying to convince her to um, become a smoker because he finds it really hot when women smoke, which, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when he crashes his car, he doesn't even get out of the car. He's been in a car accident, and he just is going to light a cigarette. Like, that's what he wanted to do. Um, and basically what we find out here is that uh, Gene Hackman's housekeeper is on to Sigourney Weaver. Um, and uh, Sigourney manages to convince her to um, just give her give her a day or something like that to, to bow out grace, gracefully. Um at the same time, um, oh, we get a cute little scene where Jason Lee gives Jennifer Love Hewitt a meteor fragment, um, although she probably would have appreciated like a diamond, but you know. <laughs> yeah, they both got gifts that they did not want. Like yeah. Sigourney <laughs> Weaver got a lighter when she doesn't smoke, and Paige got a ring that it, you know, doesn't seem to be of like monetary value. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So they, uh, to take care of the housekeeper, they plant the lighter that Sigourney Weaver has just gotten from Jane Hackman uh, in um, her dress. And then just just to make sure that it really sells, they also plant jewels and cigarettes all in her room. <laughs> yes, and I really enjoy that it's just like, oh, the lighter. Well, that could go, you know, like could that have just yeah. been like a mistake? And then she falls on the bed and it's like, oh, all the jewels fall out of the pillowcase. And then she opens the closet and all the cigarettes come out. And that's when Gene Hackman is like, I'm going to be sick. Like he's just so disgusted that she would steal cigarettes that she just has to go. Yeah. Yes. Um, so they get her fired and then um, Jennifer Love Hewitt comes in. Paige, sorry, comes in to... Um, interview for the housekeeping position and lay the groundwork for her eventual seduction. Um, uh, but at the, as she's uh, interviewing for the job, she's missing out on going to a nondescript game with Jason Lee and his friend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think they actually said what kind of game it was. No, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so she's telling him to please wait cause she'll be there. Um, but all of his friends are leaving. Uh, uh, but no, nevertheless, she gets the job and then she rushes over to meet up with them uh, and they've all left. But Jason Lee waited for her and he tells her that he loves her. She seems very fast. But again, it is Jennifer Love Hewitt. OK. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, as they're kissing Sigourney, we see that Sigourney Weaver has followed them um, and uh, is uh, disapproving of their relationship. So back at the hotel room, they fight. Um, and basically the, the, the whole thing is that, uh, Maxine Sigourney Weaver has had, she was, uh, in love with a guy and got pregnant and then he left her. And so she doesn't want that to happen to Paige, which 
is maybe a little paranoid and also I've got to imagine does not instill in Paige uh, the best feeling knowing that her mother considers her birth uh, such a mistake <laughs> that she will go to extreme lengths to make sure that she avoids the same <laughs> Fate, yeah, basically. I, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's a real problem in their relationship that she feels mm-hmm. that way about it. At the same time, they keep conning people and the men keep falling for the cons and disappointing them, which kind yeah. of like reinforces this like love doesn't exist. And yes, and men yeah. are, are dogs who will always cheat yeah. if they have the opportunity yeah. type of thing. Um, so uh, Paige insists that she's not falling in love with uh, Jason Lee, um, but uh, she goes back and and uh, tries to, to prove it to herself by kissing him, and then she realizes that her mom was right, and she caught feelings. So, <laughs> so she decides to call it off. Um, at the same time, Sigourney goes and meets the IRS agent from the beginning of the movie, and she's not an IRS agent. She is... Uh, Sigourney Weaver's uh, mentor uh, in the con game uh, and so oh it's Anne Bancroft by the way I don't yes. think I mentioned that yeah. <laughs> um, so they have a, a nice little lunch where they discuss uh, you know they catch up about about uh, Paige and everything and then back at the hotel room Jean comes by um with the the surprise um, of the statue that she had had won um, with the pecker back on. Yes. (laughs) And um, as she's there, uh, uh, Sigourney uh, springs the um, news that she's going to be deported on him. So he does propose, which (laughs) I found it funny that he was like, oh, I was going to propose to you, but I guess if you're not going to be here. Yeah, yeah. that's no, I yeah that would that would sound fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so uh, they she agrees to marry him and then uh, he is uh, eager to get to the sleeping together part because you know they're they're engaged it's good enough right yeah. <laughs> um, but as they're sort of struggling uh, he falls uh, over and hits his head on the statue and dies (laughs) yeah which is just so close they were so close yeah (laughs) so Paige comes home um and uh at the and they they decide that they need to get him back to his home so that they don't have any scrutiny about you know having him die in their hotel room um uh and they're uh figuring out how to move him when uh Room service comes, and so they move him out onto the balcony. Um, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> said, that seems to work until uh, Sigourney Weaver opens the door to let them back in, and then Jean Happen falls over the ledge of the balcony and down onto the street below, <laughs> so they have to go out <laughs> to get him. And on the way, they run into Ray Liotta, uh, who has uh, tracked them down because he is still in love with... Uh, Maxine, a.k.a. Angela, a.k.a. Sigourney Weaver. Yes. (laughs) And he wants to make things right with her. Uh, So Sigourney sends uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt on to uh, try to take care of of, um, the body. And meanwhile, (laughs) she gets uh, Ray Liotta back to their room and she ties him to the bed. (laughs) 
so that she can, you know, make up to him everything that happened between them, and then uh, she leaves him there. And <laughs> yeah, uh, they take Gene Hackman to the house. Meanwhile, a housekeeper comes in uh, <laughs> to the hotel room, and uh, she decides to uh, try to get Ray Liotta to pay the tip that she's been stiffed for, for the past week <laughs> for this room. And as she's looking for his wallet, she discovers two wallets. Um, so Ray Liotta is now on to uh, the fact that uh, Gene Hackman has something to do with this, and he follows them to Gene Hackman's house after getting the housekeeper to untie him. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and when he gets there, uh, he discovers that Gene Hackman uh, dead after after some a little bit of confusion about what's happening. <laughs> but, uh, and discovers that uh, she and uh, Paige are mother and daughter, uh, and so he was conned by them. And uh, as he is threatening to turn uh, them in, uh, they make a deal with him that they can uh, get him his money back. And Jennifer Love Hewitt is wondering why, and Sigourney Weaver has to come clean about the fact that uh, the IRS agent was not, in fact, a real IRS agent, and they do have a lot of money still. <laughs> so they go to the bank to get Ray Liotta his money, um, and then they discover that, no, they don't have money because now <laughs> her mentor has ripped them off and has stolen everything that they had because uh, they gave her their real bank account so that's, for some reason. <laughs> that's the thing, is, like, you're pulling a con that you're being investigated by the IRS, so yeah. you can't, you don't have, like money that Paige can then just go start her own life with. But for that, I feel like you don't need to have Anne Bancroft have all of your personal information. <laughs> like you'd think as a con woman, it would like, even though she's your mentor, you don't give her all of your banking information. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, anyway, well, maybe maybe they needed the account to appear to be closed or, or empty. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't think it actually makes sense, but it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, uh, Paige offers up Jason Lee's money um, because she knows that he loves her and wants to get married. And Ray Liotta is on board, and he's very excited about this. <laughs> he gets to do a con now. <laughs> he wants to do a con, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so they go over to the bar, and she accepts Jason Lee's um uh, proposal but then uh, she immediately finds out um, that uh, the guys who wanted to buy his bar have moved on to another property so he, he doesn't actually have a three million dollar deal like on the hook so she wants to back out uh, and Ray Liotta does not want to so they bust in <laughs> to the bar and pretend to be her cousins second cousins I can't remember yeah her relatives Dis yeah distant relatives um and uh, convince her to go through with the, the wedding. Um, there's a They have a fun afternoon out on a boat where Sigourney <laughs> Weaver immediately starts seducing Jason Lee and also Ray Liotta shoots at some fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, they get married. And uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt is, is, is still in love with Jason Lee. She does not want him to fall for Sigourney Weaver's seduction, uh, but they're going forward with it anyway. 
and yeah um, you you can tell like she doesn't want to do it but they need to pay Ray Liotta money but like she genuinely cares for him and yeah, yeah so she feels really bad there is one moment I want to talk about at the wedding which is the moment yeah. that Ray Liotta has um when he's talking to uh Jack's mom mm-hmm. and she's like what is it that you do Mr. Stagliano he's like college professor and she's like oh what do you teach and he's like college stuff <laughs> what are you a fucking cop like it just <laughs> yeah it really seems like Ray Liotta is having fun in this movie yeah yeah he has a fun character that he gets to like I guess kind of do the same th- like the idea of the same kind of character that he normally does but it's not yeah. usually for comedic purposes yes definitely yeah. so <laughs> Um, so she, playing, going by the playbook page, pretends to fall asleep, uh, after the wedding, and, uh, Jason Lee goes out and meets up with, um, uh, Sigourney Weaver, and, um, she invites him back to her room for a wedding present, uh, which is a, a bottle of cognac. Um, her seduction fails, and he's about to leave, um, but then she's, you know, lays on the, she feels really bad, she wants to make it up to him, blah, blah, blah. Um, eventually Paige, uh, gets sick of waiting and she leaves and finds, uh, Jason Lee and Sigourney in bed together and his shirt's off. So, it appears that the seduction worked, but did it really? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so, uh, (laughs) after they get, uh, his money... Uh, we find out that Sigourney Weaver actually um, drugged him uh, with that final drink uh, in order to get the whole thing to work. And Ray Liotta's upset about this because <laughs> she, she tells him first, actually. <laughs> um, and uh, he's still in love with Sigourney Weaver and, and he, he wants to make things work with him. Um, and he's upset that, you know, she's uh, so convinced about how horrible men men are that she's sort of it's a self-fulfilling prophecy for her she she's just always looking for men to disappoint her and so they do uh so she comes clean to Paige, and (laughs) um after they fight and then make up uh Paige uh goes back and tells jason lee her real name uh and uh gets him back his bar which he had sold in order to give her money for for their settlement and uh sigourney and ray Liotta get together and then they go and con sigourney's old mentor and bancroft (laughs) (laughs) the end (laughs) it's a fun ending that way that it's like now ray Liotta gets to be on the con and they're gonna get their money back and our second movie, The Brothers Bloom. This starts with the Brothers Bloom, Brothers Bloom and Steven. Um, they're 10 and 13, and they've been to 38 different foster homes. The little <laughs> mischief maker, con men. Steven is the idea man, and Bloom is like more innocent. Uh, but being a confidence man kind of gives him the confidence uh, to do things that he wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Oh, we should point out that the opening uh, voiceover narration yes. is done by Ricky Jay, and Ricky Jay was also in Heartbreakers as the auctioneer uh, yes. at the auction. Yeah, <laughs> he's in both movies, which we didn't yeah. know when we picked it, but that's just one more thing that, that these movies have in common. 
Um, so after a bit of larceny, they get kicked out of another foster home, uh, but they have found their calling as grifters. <laughs> and then they have the opening credits, which actually was a practical effect. It's this 30-foot tall sign with, like, all these light bulbs and stuff like that. So What? That was practical? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So cool. f- for the movie, they had, like, when we saw Knives Out and listened to the commentary, like, that Ryan Johnson had recorded. So he did the same thing for mm-hmm. this, where he has, like, records a commentary that you can download and you can go to the theater and listen to the movie that way. So I was able to, after I watched it again, I just put the movie on again and I just listened to it that way. And, you know, <laughs> it gives so much interesting information Yeah, throughout. Um, so we jump ahead to Berlin 25 years later, later, and we are clearly at the end of a con as Bloom, <laughs> played by Adrian Brody, makes this big dramatic speech in a room on fire. It's like, you get the scarab, or he gets the scarab, you get the money, and I get the girl. So in the end, everyone gets what he wants. And then, of course, he's immediately shot by their mark, who, of course, now has killed the only man who knew, like, where the money was buried. So everything has gone wrong. So the mark leaves, and then uh, bang, bang, Played by Rinko Kikuchi. She comes down and she's holding a blowtorch. So she clearly set the room on fire. And she's lighting uh, a cigarette with with the blowtorch. And then (laughs) Steven, played by Mark Ruffalo. He's very pleased with himself for pulling off this con. And then uh, Bloom explains a little backstory on how Steven cleverly pulled off this con. Mm -hmm. So then we go to a party. Where the cast of Brick gives us some helpful exposition. <laughs> so Noah Segan explains that they never work with the same crew twice, except for Bang Bang, who was with them until the wind changes. So, <laughs> and this is a uh, like a rap party. It's a cast party, so there were a lot of people involved in this con. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's very. I, yeah, I. Yeah. Uh, so then. Um, so Bloom isn't celebrating with everybody else. Norza Hetner, she finds him and she asks him if it's true that they lived in St. Petersburg and learned the big con from an old school grifter named Diamond Dog. <laughs> but it ended badly and Stephen took out his eye. Uh, so Bloom's not like interested in her and he explains that she's been conned by Stephen to think that she that, that he's the vulnerable anti-hero and that she wants to kiss him. And you kind of get that like Stephen uh, tries to help out Bloom with his love life. Like tries to write these stories to kind of help Bloom yeah. find love. That was the impetus for the first con, con. that they pulled when they were kids is he had a crush on a girl. That, yes. And he was too scared to talk to her. Yes. Um, so Joseph Gordon-Levitt is also at the party. And... Uh, <laughs> as Noah Segan and Joseph Gordon-Levitt are in all of Ryan Johnson's movies. It also said that Lucas Haas was in this scene, and I watched it multiple times and I could not find him, although he is credited as being at the party as well. Yeah, I I never spotted him either. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, Somebody, if you hear this and you know where Lucas Haas is in the the scene, please let us know. Point it it out, because I I would like to know for one more more person from from Brick. Oh, I'm wearing my Brick shirt today as we we talk about the Brothers Bloom. So, Um, and the visuals in the movie are really interesting, like the whole whole look of it. Uh, Like here, there's like a camel drinking out of like a flask, and we have like the different zoo animals, and there's like a door 
that has like a man with a gun to his head and like different countries and stuff. It almost looks like a Wes Anderson movie, mm, like the kind yeah. of style of it, very whimsical. So I enjoy it. It's very fun. Um, yeah. so, it's theatrical. Okay, yes. Say. Yes. Which makes sense. Yeah. So <laughs> Stephen and Bloom have a conversation that they've clearly had many times before where Bloom tries to quit and Stephen talks him out of it. Steven writes him these roles to play and Bloom doesn't want to pretend to be people and have fake relationships anymore. He wants to have an unwritten life. Yeah. So then we jump to Montenegro three months later and Steven and Bang Bang have found Bloom and they decide to travel to New Jersey for one last job. Because there's always <laughs> one last job. The Mark is the daughter of an oil tycoon and both of her parents have passed away. So she drives up to the house in a Lamborghini, which she just crashes <laughs> on accident. Uh, and that was a foam wall in, in real life. Okay. She's crashing into a foam wall. Um, so Bloom needs convincing to con Penelope, played by Rachel Weisz, a beautiful rich shut-in uh, because they never con women. And Penelope starts playing, uh, should I stay or should I go on the harp, which is exactly what Bloom needs to decide is if he should stay or if he should go. <laughs> And they actually, uh, Rachel Weiss, I guess, is friends with the band's manager, which is how they got the rights to the songs. Because uh, oh. Norm, I guess they would not have been able to afford it otherwise. And as Bloom is deciding, a second Lamborghini is being driven up to the house <laughs> to replace the one that she just crashed. So she's got plenty of money, is the. <laughs> yes. What we're learning. <laughs> yes. Um, so basically, so the con itself is that they're going to be brothers, they're antique dealers, and they're traveling the world by steamership. And then it kind of, you know, yada yada's over the middle area of the plot. And we jump to the end of it, and the con ends in Mexico with a burst of violence and then a moment of truth on the beach. <laughs> so then we go to Bloom meets Penelope. And this is one of my favorite scenes. So I'm going to break it down like a little bit just to, just okay. to, to go through with it. So Bloom says there are less painful ways to cut into a mark, you know. And Stephen and Bang Bang just kind of like mock his complaining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then Stephen says that the score to beat is 7.9. Keep your head in the game. That Japanese judge is very tough. And Bloom is not amused. And he says, this is a banana seat, man, <laughs> to Bang Bang. And Bang Bang pretends not to understand what he's saying. She, so she just gives him a blank look. And he says, don't give me that blank look. You know what a goddamn banana seat is. So Bloom is just riding on his little bike towards Penelope's oncoming car. And then we have voiceover. He says, there's actually a knack for this. If you're trying to fast track into a Mark Sympathies, there's nothing quite as effective as having your first conversation be from a hospital bed that they put you in. <laughs> so it's slow motion when he says that of her like hitting him and him flying through the air and so and her screaming and so her car stops and then <laughs> Steven gives him a score for the crash of an 8.9 but Bang Bang only gives him a 5.6. <laughs> and then Penelope's car kind of like is like jerking for a little bit and then yeah. it just like goes over the side. Very slowly yes. goes over the side of the road. <laughs> And everyone's just like, what? Yeah, so Stephen has no idea what to do now because this is not how the con was supposed to go at all. But Bang Bang, for this crash, decides to give a 7.9 for it. <laughs> so then we cut to Bloom now sitting next to Penelope's hospital bed. 
So I enjoy all of that. So anyway. Yeah. Um, so she wakes up, asks Bloom to take her home. And so he does. And as he's doing that, a third Lamborghini is being delivered <laughs> to her mansion. And like he's trying to do such a good job of setting up the con, like with all this important information that he's supposed to be, you know, telling her. And she mm-hmm. just seems really bored. She doesn't seem like she wants to hear any of it at all. But she also doesn't want to leave. She's just bad at talking to people. <laughs> and she ends up saying that she collects hobbies. So then there's just this like montage of her like playing piano, accordion, guitar, banjo, karate, ping pong juggling which leads to a great moment of her on a very tall unicycle and him (laughs) he does not want to throw a chainsaw into the air and she wants to juggle she's got two chainsaws already and she's just like telling him to throw this chainsaw (laughs) into the air um so she's pretty great she knows how to do like a lot of a lot of stuff and you can tell that they they like each other and before he leaves he mentions the boat that he's going to leave on I, th- I, I did feel a bit of a kinship to her after being in quarantine for so long and taking up like... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you've got a sour- my sourdough starter, yeah. learning how to, <laughs> to sew, and I'm doing like... You just, you know, when you're bored. <laughs> yeah. And you, you can't go outside. It's you, apparently. <laughs> so at the docks, Penelope zooms by, crashing her car again. <laughs> Uh, and then she joins them on the boat. She meets Stephen and Bang Bang. Uh, and uh, she has this really great scene where she tells Bloom um, about her childhood while she does a card trick. So it's like one long shot of her doing this card trick the whole time. Uh, but she explains about how she got an allergy test as a child where they like prick you with a bunch of needles to see what you're allergic to. And it seemed like she was allergic to everything. So her childhood and ad- adolescence were spent like alone indoors. Uh, and then when she was 19, she discovered that what she was actually allergic to was the needles that they use in the test, <laughs> which is just really sad. And then she wanted to leave, but then her mom got sick and she stayed that way for a long time. Uh, but in, in her head, like her viewpoint of this whole thing, so she doesn't feel cheated in life, um, is that this wasn't a story about a miserable girl trapped in a house that smelled like medical supplies, wasting her life on a dying person she sometimes hated. No, this was a story about a girl who could find infinite beauty in anything and any little thing, even the person she was trapped with. And she told herself that until it became true. And I just thought that was like a really nice moment. And you can really see who she is as a person. Like she's a really happy person who has all the money in the world, you think, to like be able to do stuff. But she also doesn't have a lot of experience in things. Mm-hmm. It's also a great contrast with, uh, Bloom, whose you know whole thing is that he's looking for an unwritten life, and she's basically talking about how she wrote her own uh, story for her for her life. That's a really good point. <laughs> oh, I also want to point out that I love that when she's introduced to Stephen and uh, and Bang Bang, he he says, "Oh yes, the epileptic photographer." And yeah. <laughs> <she> later... <laughs> introduces herself that way. She introduces herself that way. Yeah. So then we meet the curator, played by Robbie Coltrane, or as most people know as Hagrid. Um, <laughs> and he tells Penelope how the Brothers Bloom were smugglers, but they've gone straight. And uh, he's like channeling Poirot a little bit. So like he's the yeah. bigger guy with a mustache who's supposed <laughs> to be from Belgium. But I guess that's kind of the thing. Like the whole movie is it's kind of references two other things and then often because Penelope is so smart she like picks up on all the little hints and stuff like that but 
Um, <laughs> Much to Bang Bang's chagrin, she hates it every time. Yes. <laughs> One of Stephen's little references Penelope picks up on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> So Stephen says, the day I con you is the day I die, Bloom. The only real danger in this whole play is if you actually fall in love with her. Don't fall in love with her, Bloom. <laughs> so we'll see if that comes back later. <laughs> um, so now we're in Greece. They've, the boat has arrived in Greece, uh, where we find out that the curator has made a proposition to Penelope about a job. She informs uh, the brothers like about the job that... The curator, he steals books. He's going to steal a book in Prague. And then he sells them through smugglers. So she's off to Prague to be a smuggler. <laughs> he's like, if you three want to join my smugglers gang, you know, I'll consider it. Um, and then Diamond Dog sends a telegram to them uh, saying he heard that they were going to Prague and would like to see them. Uh, and Stephen sends one back telling them to stay away. So you can see that. He is real. That is not just like a story and that they clearly do not get along. Um, and then while they are there, Diamond Dog finds Bloom and tells him that Stephen won't always be there. And, uh, you know, what is he going to do then? And you can tell that they've had like a physically, that he was physically abusive towards them. And they hint at like sexual abuse. Um, and I guess originally that storyline was supposed to be much darker than it turned out um, in the movie. Uh, so we go back to the curator's uh, place that he was staying and he is now gone uh, because Penelope had already given him the check for a million dollars and this was, you know, this was the fake con that he had run off with her with her million dollars. But Penelope right. can't be convinced that the whole thing was a con and she thinks that, no, this book exists. I need to get the book and get it uh, to this Argentine, Argentine, Argentine. <laughs> A man from the Argentine. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we get a little backstory in Bang Bang uh, that she has a tattoo. When you're done with something, blow it up, where we kind of, you know, see her do different explosions. And she's going to let off a tiny chi-sai, chi-sai charge um, as a distraction. And then Bloom and Penelope have, like, the most awkward kiss you've ever seen. <laughs> Because she's never kissed anyone before. No, I know. No, I know why it's awkward. It's just, it's very awkward. But, you know, it the romance has started there. Yeah. Um, it is funny, though. Like, she's just, she because she's very brave. She goes for it first, and then he starts kissing her. And, like, and, like, the deeper that they get into it, like, she's just, like, so surprised. <laughs> And how much she likes it. And then yeah. she just, like, basically just, like, gloms onto his Yes. Face. Yeah. Now, Rachel Weisz is very good at this as playing very awkward. Because yeah. in something else, I feel like she could be, like, in Heartbreakers conning people based on the, how mm -hmm. she looks and everything. And in this, it's just, like, she's just the opposite of that. Like, she doesn't <laughs> know that she's attractive and she's just really awkward. She cannot take a compliment. So... Um, anyway, so the tiny charge ends up being a lot larger than expected. Bang Bang has one of her very few lines and says, fuck me, uh, <laughs> as it goes off. Um, and so people are screaming and Penelope goes in anyway. Uh, so then the army is called in and Stephen's like, she'll be fine as long as she doesn't do anything suspicious. And it just cuts to her just crawling through an air vent with a book in her teeth. And, of course, the air vent breaks and she just, like, slides right out right in front of all of the guards. 
<laughs> so she is arrested and they see that she's arrested and they don't know what to do. But then you just see the car stop and she just gets out and she has just charmed her way out of <laughs> going to jail for like just breaking, yeah, breaking in and trying to steal something. So yeah, but yeah, so. Yeah, don't know how, but. <laughs> yeah, she's just, she's just charmed them. But, and you know. This is not the only person that Penelope has clearly charmed. Bloom is in a really good mood. He mm-hmm. also really seems to be like happy and he likes her. And he steals an apple. <laughs> Which the person who yells at him is actually Ryan Johnson's dad. Oh, really? <laughs> and he found out that if you have a line in a movie, they have to put you in, a, in, a, in the credit. And so his dad found out how to say stop thief in check so that he would have, Ryan would have to put his dad in the credits of the movie. <laughs> so, yeah. So our great con man has been arrested for stealing an apple. <laughs> uh, but he's happy. He doesn't care about it. So, uh, so now we are in Mexico for the handoff. And Bloom comes clean about how they're con men and everything is a lie. And she wants them to like leave, just leave the money and they can they can go to, you know, run off together. But he's like, no, we got to get the money from Steven's room. <laughs> so they go to Steven's room and he's there. He won't give him the money. And there's a fight. A gun goes off. Steven is shot. And so Bloom just like tells Penelope now that his brother's been shot, just leave. And... Uh, but she's too smart and she walks over <laughs> and she pulls out uh, the like blood packet, the cackle bladder from his jacket. So she's aware that this was all part of the con and she is sad and she leaves to go back home. So we cut to three months later. Bang Bang is in Tokyo doing karaoke. <laughs> Bloom is back in Montenegro. I guess that's just where he always just goes back to, to Montenegro. And Penelope is back in Jersey at her home. And she has clearly learned some stuff from Bang Bang and blows up her house. (laughs) So then she goes and she finds Bloom in Montenegro. And she wants to become a con artist now. She wanted to be a smuggler. Now she wants to be a con artist. I love the, I want you to seriously consider this. And she just puts down (laughs) a paper that looks like a 13-year-old who's written (laughs) Penelope the con artist all over it. Yeah, it's like what a child does when they are in love and they're like writing misses, you know, like blank a bunch of times over and over again. But it's, yeah, it's for her being a con artist. It's just like waiting for his reaction and like pushing it in front of him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... So um, the problem is that he loves her and he doesn't want her to turn into him. So they're like, okay, we're going to do one last job. (laughs) This is the second one last con. Yes. yes. Um, And this one is to, this con will be to turn her off on the idea of uh, becoming a con man. So now we are going to go to St. Petersburg. Stephen has brought in Diamond Dog to pull off this job. And Bloom is going to fake die so that Penelope will go back home and not want to be a con artist anymore. So they're in the car and the gunshots start hitting it. And bang, it's with Bang Bang, Stephen, Bloom, and Penelope are inside. The car flips over and hits a tree. And then they get out in time before the car also explodes. <laughs> So Penelope wakes up Bloom and she thinks that the Russians have got Stephen and Bang Bang says goodbye to them 
and gets into her car and then the car blows up. So they find a ransom note for Stephen and Bloom thinks that it may be all part of Stephen's con. Like this whole thing, this kidnapping may be a part of it. But he's, he's not sure. He's upset. He's on his own now and he kind of doesn't know what to do. Um, but so they go to the drop. Stephen tells him that like, no, this is real. Like that Diamond Dog has double crossed them for revenge. And there's a shootout. And Stephen saves Bloom from being shot. Gets shot himself. In the yeah. So Bloom. Yeah. So yeah. So Stephen gets shot, and Bloom wants to hear that essentially that it was all like a, a fake con. That this is just he's pulled off like the perfect con. And Stephen like pretends to die, and then he gets up and tells him that you know like it was fake. So like you and Penelope go to Rio, uh, pretend that I'm dead, and that just like I'll see you when I see you. You know how am I gonna top this? This mm-hmm. very elaborate con uh, that he's done. So Bloom and Penelope drive away and Bloom notices that the blood on his shirt has turned a dark brown instead of the bright red that fake blood um, is. And so realizing that the blood is real, he just breaks down, um, realizing that his brother has has actually died. Meanwhile, Stephen actually dies on a stage. You see him with like this fake sunset behind him and... Bloom says that like Stephen once said the perfect con is the one where everyone involved gets just the thing they wanted. Stephen wanted to write a con so good that it became true which he did. Penelope is now not alone and Bloom gets to have his unwritten life and they drive off uh, into the actual sunset. So that is the movie. Um, (laughs) And like as far as the uh, like other things so the characters in in the movie so you have Stephen Daedalus and Daedalus in Greek mythology was a craftsman and an artist and he was the creator of the labyrinth and then Bloom is named after the protagonist Leopold Bloom uh, in the James Joyce novel Ulysses and Penelope is named after Penelope in the Odyssey hmm. um, and then Nathan Johnson Brian's cousin did the score for the movie and music. yes um, and then their <laughs> other like his other cousin Zach made Stephen's notebook with all the pictures and everything in it. Mm. Um, and he also did, like, the drawings throughout the movie. And then he did the title. So, like, when the – you would see, like, the city and stuff like that yeah. written out. And I think that's so he did he did all of that. Um, yeah. So that was The Brother's Bloom. Oh. Yay. <laughs> all right. You want to talk about food? <laughs> oh, sure. Um, there's not a whole lot in Heartbreakers. Um a lot of drinks, champagne, you know, uh, Paige orders a martini once, and then there's the cognac at the end of the movie. Um, uh, we do have the uh, beef tartare <laughs> that she accidentally orders at the Russian restaurant. Yeah. And I thought it would be even fun if you did a heart tartare uh, to tie in heartbreakers. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's a very good idea. Um, but that's pretty much all I got. <laughs> Yeah, there's also like the really awkward whipped cream and strawberries that Sigourney oh, Weaver yes. <laughs> tries to to feed Jason Lee. <laughs> oh. oh boy. Um, and then for the Brothers Bloom, I have there's more food in this. Like he doesn't really stand out, but like there is. So it's like we have the rocket popsicles that the kids eat in the beginning. Mm-hmm. There's the pixie sticks that they buy with the money that they've <laughs> earned from their their con. Um, they're often drinking whiskey. And then when Stephen finds Bloom in Montenegro, it looks like he's eating a plate of like tomatoes, mozzarella, and pickles. 
Um, yeah. And then they have coffee with sugar, the sugar that opens up and pours into his, his glass. <laughs> while, that's such a good like gag that's ha- just happening while they're talking, with, with uh, Bloom trying to use the sugar and it doesn't work, and then Stephen, <laughs> it works for him. Yeah. And so Bloom picks it up again and it just dumps everyone the sugar yeah. into his <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and then when they're having like the the meat cute for Bloom and Penelope – Bang Bang and Steven are drinking Corona, uh, which Ryan Johnson did not know. Somehow their prop guy found Corona in Romania where they, they <laughs> shot that. But, um, and then watermelon, because you've got like the pinhole camera yeah. that she makes. <laughs> you have mimosas and waffles when they're talking to the curator on the boat. The snacks from the snack car that they steal. Um, just like general wine, I have a yingling beer written down because that is mm-hmm. Bang Bang's <laughs> smuggler like name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and then I have corned beef written down, which is like their co-word for, for abort. Um, <laughs> and then for the movie, I made sort of like an international platter because they go to so many different places. Mm-hmm. So um, since Stephen eats like tomatoes and cheese and mozzarella, I put tomatoes and cheese on the platter. Uh, and tomatoes country of origin apparently is Mexico. So that also includes Mexico. I did. I made <laughs> Japanese meatballs for bang bang and because they she goes to tokyo and then montenegro also has a cured meat very similar to prosciutto so that's why i put prosciutto on the plate and then since they go to greece uh i have greek olives hummus and pita on it so yeah so i made a big platter and i it looked delicious when oh. i saw the picture oh well thank i do you. want to mention because of mexico that i do find that line and I didn't write it down, and I wish I did. But I think it's, I don't want to simplistically vilify an entire country, but Mexico is a horrible Yeah, place. yeah. <laughs> it's because Stephen hates Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Okay, Grace, do you want to tell people where they can find us and what the theme for the next episode will be? Yeah, so you can find us on Instagram at movie underscore matchup. You can also find some of these recipes on sugarednerd.com. And uh, next week, uh, please tune in where the theme will be not a Christmas movie. (laughs) And until next time, remember, try to not fall in love with your mark.